Welcome to another groundbreaking episode of the Biohacker Blondie podcast, where we get into all things health, wellness, longevity, and of course, biohacking. Today, we're joined by the incredibly insightful Paul Vincent, the founder of Aho Life, with a career that traverses exercise science, psychology, ancient wisdom, and modern health innovations. Paul is a master at bridging the gap between timeless traditions and contemporary well-being. Not only does he hold a master's degree in exercise science and performance enhancement, but he's also on a journey toward his PhD, Transpersonal Psychology, with a focus on the medical use of psychedelics and shamanism. Paul embodies a philosophy that many of us crave, staying healthy without giving up the life you love. Having worked with professional athletes, Olympians, and Hollywood A-listers, Paul knows a thing or two about human potential, but his expertise doesn't stop there. Paul's extensive research and travels have led him to engage the indigenous cultures from the Amazon rainforest to the deserts of Saudi Arabia. Through AO Life, he condenses these experiences and philosophies to guide us in un- unlocking the untapped potentials that lie within each of us. So buckle up as we dive into a conversation that promises to challenge your perspectives and offer tools for lasting change, not just your body, but in your life. This is going to be an incredible podcast full of all things health, wellness, longevity, and how to change your mindset to live a happy life with daily practices. Cannot wait for everyone to listen, so let's get into it. We are with Paul Vincent. This is the Biohacker Blondie podcast, all about health and longevity. And we're here with Paul Vincent. I wrote a little thing for yours, so I'll just give a little intro, if you don't mind. And you can always adjust it. But Paul Vincent, who has a master's degree in science and performance enhancement and pursuing his PhD in transpersonal psychology, the medical use of psychedelics and shamanism. He has spent much of his time with many indigenous cultures and has over 20 years experience in the health and wellness space, including training Olympians, celebrities, and professional athletes, including lead actors from Star Wars, Star Trek, Black Panther, Jurassic Park, Spider-Man, and much more. So you have a very extensive background. I didn't even know um, you had this whole background because we, I just met you at the KIN, um, the co-working space here. It's a beautiful co-working space in Venice, um, Los Angeles. And you gave a wonderful speech about um, kind of the brain, neuroplasticity, like how do you train our brain kind of to think our best. And, um, and you've had so much experience traveling with these, you know, going to these like sense of tribes that live a whole different lifestyle and being able to see all these different ways of living experience you know experiencing that and then it's you can look at life so differently so it's like i I just everything you were saying was really beautiful and i think a lot of people get stuck um in what society and their typical daily life and they don't really think outside of that so that was another reason why i would just love to hear your thoughts on that um you're really big in the health and longevity space so you have a few companies and you do retreats and um you're all about health longevity living a happy life so um i don't know where you want to start (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> do you want to start with your company? Um, I, I mean, it was it's like a 90-day program, I guess. Or you want to start talking about your travels? We can. There's so much to get into, and then you're also fitness trainer, correct? Like you're. So you know yeah. a lot about the body. Mm-hmm. You know a lot about the health. You know a lot about working out and longevity. So I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you brought it up, maybe I'll I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the program because that'll be a good intro. Because yeah. I've been in the health and wellness space for 20 years. And so I was an athlete, um, and then I got into you know work training other people, and progressed from there, which we can get into kind of my my evolution in this world of of wellness and health. Um, but for a while, I had a company that we managed people's health, and it was a year long program. And so over that year, um, we were able to reduce their biological age, so not their chronological age, but how they're actually when you test how they're functionally aging and we're yeah, within like that year. Yeah, like methylation and telomeres, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, telomeres <laughs> is pretty fixed, but yeah. But mm-hmm. we were able to shift um, uh, biological age by about 10 years. So we were able to um, reduce their biological age by about 10 years. Sign me, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> um, um, and so, so this is evolved. with your program? So what happened, yeah, I developed it through that, my previous company. And then what I did, I, sorry. And your 90 day program, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I'm, so over that time, I, I developed this program and then I closed my company during COVID and I moved it online and it went from a year program and I reduced it to a 90 day program. And so now. Okay. I, I found out that it was actually as effective if I and reducing it. So in, instead of doing um, the same routines for a month, now we do them for a week. But it includes like breath work and meditation, a lot of mindfulness, a lot of all the nutrition, fitness, function. So all that within this 90-day program. Um, and what I found out like with most programs, it's really consistency and there's something driving our behavior. And so we have to understand what's driving our behavior in order to stay consistent. And so that's what this program looks at as well, which there's not many other programs. I don't know of any that look at your behavioral traits. So the, so how we justify our behavior and align that with a program. So that's what's unique about this 90-day program. It's a health and wellness program, but also self-reflection program, because it's looking at why am I doing this? Why, why am I struggling with this? Why, why aren't I, you know, um, taking on the behaviors Excelling that or... I say I want? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that there's a lot holding people back and it's really like all in our head. It's a huge mindset. And, um, I'm trying to also get past that, you know, in my career and everything yeah. and not letting other people's like what other people think or these things and that of course, you know, it goes back to my past and childhood and why I hold myself back in different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think you got into that at the kid as well, yeah. a little like about how when we're younger and then we develop that specific type of thinking from how we grew up and how it's affecting now our mm-hmm. 
life and our whole life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, so that's why. What does this program entail? Because, yeah, it's, it doesn't say as much on the website, I guess. So yeah. I don't know how much you want to say, but um, does, so you have meditation, breathing, um, you incorporate, like, uh, I'm sure, like fitness routine, um, nutrition, nutrition, all whole foods. Mm-hmm. Um, sleep, of course, is yep. highly important. So how are you implementing this in the program? Yeah, so what I figured, there's a really simple way to do it, which I've recorded a routine <laughs> that you follow. You just follow 30 minutes in the morning. It, get, it gets longer towards the end, but all you have to do is listen to this thing for 30 minutes, and I talk you through everything you need to go through, and then 10 minutes in the evening. And then there's um, little suggestions throughout the day with the fitness and nutrition, which you can follow, or if you have your own program, then you can just do this alongside your program. But I made it as simple as possible just to listen to this audio recording. So it's really, it's become very effective because of the simplicity of it. Yeah, I think that's what people need. (laughs) Right. Because a lot of people don't want to spend the time or that. They kind of just want to be told what to do to like, you know. And there's so much information you know, take out there. Away 10 years to, of their life. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to sift through all that information. So what I've done is, you know, that's what been my life over the last 20 years. So I've compiled, you know, all the most effective practices into this super easy to consume program. And do you do any blood work or do you do any of like, so it's nothing medical. It's all just um, like a nutrition. So do you give like a meal plan? Yeah, so we give um, – what we do is we we have um, different styles of eating, and then we give recipes and, and, and guidance around that. So it's not a, a restrictive meal plan. It's really how do you follow that nutritional philosophy with your current lifestyle. So it's not super invasive, which I also found um, was very restrictive because people, if they had to give up everything that they were used to doing, they couldn't maintain it. So this is, you know, there's mm-hmm. going to be things that come up like celebrations and holidays and all that stuff. And this teaches you how to work within that. So you don't, you're not just all or nothing. And you don't, if you do have to, you know, take a break, it teaches you how to get back on track. Nice. And then, so this was, I guess we can kind of get into how you got into this space because you've been doing this. It says, you know, your health and wellness for over 20 years. Um, did you have health issues that brought you into this space? You just always love fitness and exercise, and then you just dive deeper and deeper into it. Um, I'm curious because a lot of people I feel like in this space got to a point where their health was kind of like at rock bottom or somewhat. And then they said, Oh my gosh, I need to do something. So I'm curious what your background is. I came in uh, from, from, uh, being an athlete. So I was a competitive athlete. And I started in track okay. and field and got into different sports and end up in expedition racing. So I was looking at it from a performance side, you know, but there's wow. definitely other characteristics that influence or other, other influences that I had that brought me to this world. Um, cause it's funny cause my brother is a chiropractor, my sister's in massage and my older sister mm-hmm. does NLP. So we all ended up in the health and wellness state, but it, I kind of have a feeling because my mother wasn't so healthy. And so I think we all kind of ended up in this space, probably that partly as an influence. Yeah, I think uh, I've seen that too, where a parent or something, they saw, you know, someone have Alzheimer's or, and that has motivated them to 
get into this space as well. So yeah, yeah. I've seen it with my family as well. I've seen, um, you know, prescriptions or any of the, you know, I've seen it friends, exes, (laughs) people just have, you know, these health issues. I, I see it all the time. And that's why like my passion, I see people struggling. Most people now are on medication. They're depressed. They have anxiety. Um, there's just so much stuff. So I just want everyone to live a beautiful, healthy life. And I think, um, energy is huge. And then I also think like, you know, whatever you put in your body that affects your mental state as well. So like I've worked on my health a lot Mm. and I feel so much better mentally. Like I just feel so much happier and healthier and energized than I did years ago. So and I just want everyone to feel this way. Right. <laughs> but, and I also did a lot of, you know, gratitude, kind of reprogramming kind of my thoughts and processes. Mm-hmm. I've read like a lot of books on like kind of retraining your brain to look at things different. And it's, it's an ongoing thing that you have to yeah. constantly do. Totally. Not just like, I read this book and I'm good. I, you know, exactly. I need to implement that mostly daily because you kind yeah. of forget and it's like, you got to constantly remind yourself to like, think in a positive state mm. um, so that you can, you know, do this daily or feel good daily. Yeah. But anyway, so let's talk more about you since you're my guest. <laughs> Okay, so you have this program and it's going great. And you do you test also their uh, biological age before and after? No, not anymore. I do some. So I do private testing still um, with that. But now okay. we, I was able to expand it to many more people because it was a private member club that I had. So you had to apply, and then we only accepted a limited number of people. So I wanted to open it up to more people. So we do it all online now. Um, okay. and we only do it twice a year. So we have two cohorts that we run, uh, a year and we do it as a, as a group and go through it all together. Oh, okay. Nice. So, and then you also have retreats. Mm-hmm. So yeah. is that where you were just like a week ago? You were doing yep. a treat for your, okay. Yeah. So I, I lead retreats as well. And that's, that's sort of where my career sort of has progressed to, um, cause it started just in physical health and I realized that you couldn't really deal with physical health without dealing with mental and emotional health. Like you were just saying, they go so hand in hand. And so these retreats help kind of break you out of, you know, where we're stuck or it's really what we call the shadow work. Like it's in the subconscious things that you're not aware mm-hmm. of these behaviors of these habits of these limiting beliefs. And so it's, it's a, it's a four day retreat opening that up, discovering what is in the shadow, what is, what is blocking you, what's holding you back in life and clearing that. What do you think most people's uh, shadow is? What is? <laughs> I think, you know, it's, and that's what we were talking about at the kin, right? There's, we, you can look at different levels of a human being, right? And there's three main traits that make up our behavior. And they come from, one is the biogenic trait, so our biology. The other is sociogenic trait, where we grew up. And the other is idiogenic trait, um, a specific reaction we had to an event that happened in our lives. And through those three traits, we develop beliefs, behaviors, and they um, are formed in in through our neural pathways right and that becomes a belief system 
And that's the filter that we experience the world through. So if something happened to me, like, you know, I put my hand up in class and I got the question wrong, then I make up a, a belief about myself. Oh, I must not be so intelligent or, you know, I, it's dangerous to, to be speak out in public. And then that gets embedded in my, deep in my subconscious, in the shadows of my mind, right? And I don't even know that that's influencing my behavior and my life. And so it's those kind of things. All of us have a unique one. You know, there are a lot around, you know, um, um, it's usually, you know, um, limiting beliefs. Like I'm not good at this. I'm not, you know, um, uh, well, don't want to or, me, people. Exactly, yeah, I know exactly I can go on and on. <laughs> totally, totally. And so th those are influencing our lives in a, to a large degree. And so we have to f see them. And once we see them, it's we can huge. disarm them. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people think about this. It's, it's, it's a whole journey and, but it's so helpful. Like once you kind of look at why, what's holding you back, why you might be in this negative space, like, because you're, you know, your ancestor, your parents, your grandparents were brought up this way. And then you have the same type of thinking and it trickles down, you know, yeah. from one generation to the next. And then you have to say, I don't want this anymore. Like I want totally. to have the best life, you know, and what is, why am I letting this past of that type of thinking affect me now, yep. you know, in a negative way. So they, I've, I've done some work and I don't think a lot of people think about this and how to change their way. So let's, how, what would you recommend? What is like the best practice for someone to get out of that? Like typical negative thinking. Well, first you've got to expose it, right? You've got to see what it is. What is that limiting belief? And you can do that by doing a, an assessment of your life. Like, what do you have a lot of in your life? Or what do, you, what do you do a lot of? Like, for example, if someone has a lot of books or they have like a lot of degrees, you know, um, they're, they're trying to prove or disprove something most likely, right? So it could be that they don't feel intelligent, so they need to prove that they're intelligent. So they keep going to school and getting all these degrees and getting very high levels of education, mm. and they consume a lot of information. They have a lot of books and stuff. Or maybe you have a lot of sports equipment, right? You do a lot of sports and you go to the gym a lot. You might feel that you're weak, you know, and that was one of mine that I felt weak. So I did these sports that were very, very challenging. They were expedition races, so very long races through deserts and jungles. And I didn't realize at the beginning why I was doing that. But then after doing this work, realizing that I have a brother who's eight years older than me. So he matured ahead of me, right? He went through puberty when I was still a kid. So I was seeing this, not even realizing it, but wondering why I didn't have the same strength he had. And then making a, a, a decision about myself that I'm weak. And so then I went out in the world and tried to prove that I was strong. So you can look at your behaviors in life and what you do and your interests, because usually they're clues to these limiting beliefs we have of ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> so um, would you say you have done a lot of this practice? You would say your happiness and health is, is a hundred percent. I don't know about a hundred percent, but that's, that's what, you know, I, you know, the path I'm on in my life now is about getting there, about, you know, trying to stay in that state, you know, majority of my life. Because I suffered from a lot of depression. That's what my mom suffered from a lot as well. And, um, 
it was it was challenging, and I didn't even realize. And I I had all these behavior to survive that state, right? The anxiety and the and the the, the insecurities. And it wasn't until I started to unpack this that I realized the depth of it. And my default state, my normal state was depression and anxiety. And so I had to really uncover it. And I did a lot of work over many, many years to realize that. And once I realized it, then I had to figure my way out of it. And so that's what led me down the path I'm on now is, you know, understanding Mm. how to, you know, attain this state of, of joy or bliss, you know, in your life and, and maintain it. Did you ever go see doctors for any of this? Or did you say, I'm going to take control and, you know, do my research? Or did you go to like a doctor and say, you know, I have anxiety? Yeah, I, I, had, I had therapists for a while. And, you know, they were great, okay. very super helpful, but they didn't, um, there wasn't any like long-term shift in it. It, it was sort of, um, it kept me, it helped me a lot, but it didn't have big shifts until I started did to... You- really unpack and understand what I needed to do with my life in order to change. Did you read any books that were like your initial books that just were that you loved and that's where you started? I love it. Like, yeah, I loved like, um, Joe Dispenza stuff. I think, you know, Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's how to change your mind is one of them. Um, yeah, but that, uh, even early on Deepak Chopra, those ones were definitely the initiation of my of this influence over me. But because I was studying physiological science and biomechanics, like the body, um, I was trying to, you know, I focus more on just health to feel good, like within your body, mm. and realizing quite early on that you can't do 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 one without the other. So I needed to look at emotional and mental health. Yeah, I think it's just they go hand in hand. So it's totally. like you gotta you know, feed your body the right things and make sure that, but also work on, you know, your mental state as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. I, I did, there was a program called, uh, to be magnetic. And that was kind of the beginning journey of like, you know, it was about like kind of having this music in the background, closing your eyes, mm-hmm. putting you in a different space. And then thinking about what, like your, you know, childhood from one to seven, or she even said kind of seven to 14 years old, but like what happened in that time frame where things might be affecting you now. So I was, so I kind of did some reprogramming and then you're supposed to like, you know, take that whatever negative experience and then kind of reprogram that into like a, a positive experience. Yeah. So I yeah. kind of, yeah, I did some of that and it really helped. It just, you know, and doing these things, I do gratitude journal every morning and like just kind of journal my thoughts out. It just helps a lot. So, and it's yeah. changed me. I, I would say my happiness and my health has improved quite a bit. So, yeah. Um, so we'll get, oh yeah. So, okay. So you've traveled all over the world, but I also want to hear about your health now. So what is your typical day, um, especially also when you're traveling so much? Because I think traveling affects your health a lot. Yeah. Like when I travel TMI, but I get like a little constipated, I'm off my routine, or, you know, you're not exercising like you do. Um, and also sometimes when I travel, though, like I feel like the water, the food is better. Mm. Um, so I'm sure since you've traveled like all over the world, do you feel different when you travel your health, like I feel like a little bit LA, 
uh, the the water is not so healthy here. The air is not so healthy. When I go yeah. to some other islands, like I just I feel a little bit healthier. So I'm, I'm yeah. curious your thoughts when since you've traveled everywhere. If you're really good, like when you go to these very like specific tribes in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, definitely travel disrupts routines. And so that's why it's so important to have a very strong routine that can be done anywhere, right? So I have this 30-minute morning practice that I do w when I'm home or when I travel. And that consistency mm. really helps. But just with the food, like I've been to some very remote places and and ended up, you know, eating very interesting things and 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 uh, ended up right, like many what? times getting very like sick. What? <laughs> what, is, of, what have you eaten? I want to know. What's the craziest thing you've eaten? Um, like brains of animals, <laughs> things like that. Like, oh my gosh. And okay. I'm, I'm quite fussy. So Which I don't, one? <laughs> it was a rodent. Oh um, my god! Yeah. And did you feel like you needed to to embrace this tribe because it was part of their ritual? Yeah, I try and you know at least try things. You know, I'm I'm mm -hmm. I'm actually super fussy with my food, so it's really tough for me. But but I want to at least try try it when I'm with these cultures. You know, um, yeah. I think it's you know it part it is a lot of a matter of respect. You know, you know at least participating in it. Yeah. yeah. So where all these tribes, so why did you start getting into that um, and start traveling to all these very specific in the middle of nowhere tribes and cultures? Yeah. So Indige I, indigenous. Indigenous. Yeah. You got it. In, indigenous. <laughs> the, um, um, so I, when I was an expedition athlete, we would race in very remote places. And so we'd come across these indigenous cultures. And at the time, I was just focused on health and fitness. And so I was curious about their lifestyle compared to our lifestyle. Because I knew there was a lot within our lifestyle, just what we do in our normal days, was contributing to our poor health. And so I studied it from that angle initially. And then once I started working with some tribes, started to, you know, see what else was out there and, and who I could get in contact with and then started to, to embed myself with all these different tribes around the world. And initially it was, you know, looking at their lifestyle, like I said, but after a while it became more mental and emotional health and even, even beyond that you know, the mystical side of things. So it really helped me progress so, to where I am now. So did you just start researching these tribes and you just were like, I'm going to go? Yeah, it was all, <laughs> each, each one was a, basically, but each one was a little bit different because, I mean, they're, they're, they're very remote and you have to be in. welcomed you? Yeah, I, had just, to be, I had to be invited in. So I had to know someone or make a contact with them. But often it was like, you know, I would go somewhere and, and meet the, the Mamo, like in Colombia. And we sat, you know, he came down into where I was meeting him. And we sat for three days where he talked to me for three days and got to know me before he invited me up to the village. So wow. they're very, you know, protective, which they yeah. should be. Um, yeah. So, so it was, it's always very difficult. And I want to always respect them a lot. Um, not going and just being a tourist, you know, um, you know, going there with a lot of, lot of, lot of respect and 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 honoring their traditions because they're inviting me in to teach me, which is such a privilege. Yeah, for sure. And just being able to, 
I don't know, kind of like, I, I, have you been to Burning Man? Mm-hmm. They just, a lot of people just got back from Burning Man. I've been yeah. once and um, I just feel like it takes you out of that typical society routine. And just, I think that's the part that's so magical about Burning yeah. Man is that it's just like, there's a whole different way of living. Totally. And I feel like with these tribes being able to see that for yourself, it's like, wow, like it just takes you out of like, you know, especially LA where it's like, Oh, I need this purse or I need this look or I need these lips or I need this hair. Like, you know, you're just like this crazy society that we have embedded ourselves in and then realizing there's a whole different way of life and there's a whole different way of living and and community and food and, Mm. you know, all that. So I think that's really amazing to see that because it's, Almost like if you go to like space, you like astronauts are like, wow, like this is just so yeah. like takes the you. The overview you're... effect. Yeah. That's yeah. What so I'm sure it's changed you tremendously. Mm, <laughs> um, hugely, yeah. Gratitude. And then, you know, with these tribes, I'm, and I'm curious if you think, are they happier than someone in, in LA, in a city? Would you recommend them coming to LA and living here with, uh, you know, air conditioning, heater, showers, or do you think their happiness is like the same or they're happier? I would say they're happier. Although a lot of them have struggles, but they have struggles mostly because of what we do in the modern societies, how the modern sides are affecting their wellness, either, you know, through colonization and, and sort of tearing their cultures apart or, um, you know, you know, the waters are not, you know, clean to drink anymore or there's farmland, you know, mm. where there was a jungle. So, but in general, I would say a lot of them, um, a lot happier than we are, you know, they, they don't have the same wow. pressures that we have in life. Like, you know, I, I believe it goes beyond even what you were saying about, you know, the, in, the, the the differences you feel in these cultures. I believe that how you live, the, the your environment activates different aspects of your DNA. So our DNA is designed within us to help us survive, right? And you can activate different parts of it. You know, for example, um, there's something called biogenic traits that I mentioned earlier. And they're, they're, these are traits that every human on the planet has. And they're survival traits. And you can activate them. For example, you know, if you threaten an animal, right, they become aggressive. And so we have certain things that make us aggressive. And that's, a, that, that's embedded in our DNA. For example, you know, um, when, you, when you like road rage, you know, there's something activates that dna right someone cuts you off and either you feel threatened like they they might have caused you injury they they put you at risk or they 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 pushed in front of you where that wasn't fair so there's a fairness trait and so this activates our dna and we become reactive now our environment has a lot of that like we promote competition right so it's it's us you know, how successful are you? You've got to compete in schooling. It's all about competing, about getting grades, measuring us against each other. And so that activates a certain quality within us. But these indigenous cultures don't have that, you know, and so they don't activate this part of their DNA. It can be activated, but they don't live in that environment as much as we do. And I think that's, that's a really important thing to look at um, because, like, I, I remember going on a hunt 
with one of these young boys and he made a kill and I was really excited about it. I'm like, oh, well done. You did so well. And when I came back, the, the women laughed at him. And I'm like, well, why are you doing that? And they said, if he thinks that he knew how to hunt on his own and it wasn't because his ancestors knew the best place to hunt or learned the different techniques over generations, then our the cohesiveness of our tribe will fall apart. Where if you think what we do, we actually you know, um, uh, enhance that individualistic behavior. So it's hard for us to stay together. And one of these biogenic traits that is fundamental to all humans, it's actually the most fundamental fear of all humans is being kicked out of the tribe. But our, the nature of our environment is forcing us in separation. So we're in this constant state of survival. And so just that alone, I think, influences how happy we are, how at peace we are, our anxiety, you know, all those things. And then when you're in these tribes, you feel like you always have this community and this not competition, but you're always working together to kind of have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're all different for sure, but, but you really, I, I feel, especially with some, you know, that I've, that I've lived with, you know, they, they, they relate to everyone as family, you know, their brothers, um, sisters, warriors, they call each other that. And, you know, there's this one amazing custom that when you're deep in the jungle and you can be walking, thinking you're alone and you'll make a sound. So they have the yip. And if another tribesman hears that, they'll all do it. So suddenly you make that sound. Then throughout the forest, you hear the yip, yip, yip. yip. So you just know you're not alone. So they have these customs that really make you feel included. Before we dive back in today's fascinating conversation, I've got a quick question for you. Are you tired of scanning ingredient lists on supplements only to find additives, sweeteners, and other stuff you can't pronounce? Well, Equip Foods is all about clean, simple ingredients. I love their protein powder. The vanilla is my favorite. Also the strawberry. I take their collagen every morning in my coffee and they just sent me their pre-workout powder, which I cannot wait to try. Equip Foods offers clean, simple, and effective supplements you can trust, like their protein powders made 100% grass-fed protein, their collagen for skin and joint support, nutrient-dense green powders for that extra boost, and that high-quality pre-workout powder for that much-needed energy kick. No artificial any, anything, just real food supplements that align with our health goals. And they are also offering a 20% discount for all my listeners on any of their products. Just use my code biohackerblondie20 at checkout. Trust me, your body will thank you and you will love all of their supplements. So let's get back to the episode. Whoa, I love that. I can't believe, I was so curious if you think they're happier and it's because you know, it's crazy. I think they've done studies too, where it's like people are more depressed than ever. People are, you know, have anxiety more than ever. And it's like, but we have security and we have iPhones and we have, you know, grocery stores with every type of food you can imagine. So yeah, it's weird how we've come to this and maybe we're not happier. Like these typical, like we're creating kind of a society of chaos and, everything with all the toxins. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like, if you think about our civilization, 
you know, which is, is about 10,000 years old when we started farming and domesticating animals and then living around those animals and those crops. And what we've tried to do is make life easier, right? And ease, it go, it's based on how you're feeling. That's, this is effort and that's not effort, which is an emotion. It's part of the endocrine system. And so we kept progressing down that route of making things as easy as possible. So our civilization is actually an emotional reaction. So we've come so far. Now we are producing pleasure at an addictive level. So your iPhone that you mentioned is now working at such a level that it's become addictive. And so this, this environment that we think is, is better is actually making us weaker as animals because we don't need to put so much effort in, you know, to um, just get through the day. It's pretty much, you know, done for us. You can just sit at home, <laughs> exactly, sit at home, order food, you know. I'm all remote now. <laughs> yeah. But, I know, so shouldn't we be, like, extremely happy? I that, mean, that would if, theoretically, if think, right? I, I feel like, you know, if you were in the 1900s or something and you're like, um, and they came into this world and they're like, wow, I have, I can order anything online. I can go to a grocery store, get all the food I want. I'm not in survival mode, just eating some bread and soup. Um, I have a, you know, full house full of like security and, and heat and blankets and fresh water and all that. And, and we've come to this point where we don't appreciate those things. But someone, if they came into our future, they'd be like, oh, my gosh, this is you know amazing. But um, it's crazy how our mind kind of tricks us. And we get comfortable, I feel like, in this type of living situation. And then we don't appreciate it. Yeah, That's absolutely. why I think always gratitude is uh, great in the mornings because it's like it puts you in a state of like, hey, I have these coffee beans from a different country that right. got shipped over, you know, and I'm here I am drinking. They were shipped to me directly to my door and I'm just mm -hmm. drinking this coffee. Um, I don't know how this pen was made. I don't know how this furniture was made. <laughs> and here I am. So it's really yeah. good to think always about these little things around totally. us that we can be grateful for 24-7, you know. Totally. Yeah, um, exactly. And But if you think about it, like our emotions are they, – they, they, we have them in order to guide us through our behavior. So when something feels good, we repeat it. And if it doesn't feel good, we don't repeat it. Um, and so it's things like, you know, if we were cavemen sitting in a cave, right, and um, – we didn't have the, the discomfort when we didn't eat. We would just sit there and wither away. So we needed discomfort in order to motivate behavior to go and risk ourselves by hunting. And then when we got the food and we ate it, we got a pleasure response. And so we have these puppet strings, which are our emotions. But the only way they function is if they come and go. So they don't stay. Like, for example, if, 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 if you, you make love and it feels great and that feeling stayed for the rest of your life, then you wouldn't need to go and, and make love again, right? Because you already had oh, the yeah, feeling. yeah, I mentioned you said that at the kid. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, you're so right. Like, we need to, like, to reproduce. It needs to go. We need that exactly. feeling. It needs, yeah. it needs to go. And so we're trying to base our society on pleasure on, on a fixed result, but it's not possible, right? It's not possible to go... Um, I'm going to do this thing that gives me pleasure and it'll stay. It doesn't. It goes. So then I have to keep repeating or keep adding and getting more. So I'm constantly chasing this emotion, which is happiness, pleasure, that stuff. But it's not possible for it to stay. And so if we understand that a little bit more, we can understand that it's okay to feel these different emotions. 
And that's a lot of what I teach is, is us just being okay, knowing that we're an emotional animal and emotions come and go. Some we have classed as good and some we've classed as bad. And, you know, not, not going to battle with them, not trying to force a different behavior. Yes, of course, if, if you're, um, if you're, typical emotion is stress, anxiety, depression, you'd look, want to look at why, but usually it comes from one of those limiting beliefs that's causing you to stay in that constant state. So then you're trying to survive that state by seeking pleasure, but the pleasure never stays because our hormones are designed to come and go. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I forgot about that, how you said that. I, I, yeah. Things, you know, you're listening and then you forget and then you sure, just sure. reminded me. <laughs> Um, I, there's something I, I read too, where it's like, we, you know, you focus whatever you want to fo focus on. So that was something I read. I think it was called the untethered soul. Yeah. That's you, Michael Singer. Have you read that book? Of course. One of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. I love Michael Singer. And I really love that because it's like, he talks about, you know, you're driving, you're driving down the street and you see a red car that brings emotion to you. No one else thinks about that red car, but maybe that was like, you know, your mom's car or an ex's car or something. And you, that you put your attention towards that car. No one else is focusing. So it's like you go down the street driving and you decide what you want to put your attention towards. And so sometimes like for me, I'm like, I don't want to focus on this negative thing. So I'm just going to change my thoughts and say, no, I don't want to think about it anymore. I'm going to focus on something positive. <laughs> yeah. But I, and I, I love think, that too. Yeah. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there because the other component that's driving our emotion are our thoughts. You know, and we, we, we're constantly rattling around, you know, in this loop thinking all the time, but that the, the voice in the head is really a result of those negative things that happen in our lives. It's, it's a survival program, right? And so it's always looking for those dangers through the qualities that we established as dangers for ourselves. So for example, mine was that, you know, you're weak and stupid, right? So now my brain is always in this loop that everything I'm experiencing, I'm looking to see if people think I'm stupid or weak. And so I would pay a lot of attention to that mind, which is connected to my endocrine system, which will give me a feeling. And so that's why I'm constantly in that state, that depressed state, is because I was in this fixed loop with the thoughts in my mind that were designed to look for danger. And to me, danger was those two things. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, right? It's always come, kind of comes back to like, maybe childhood, even like high school or something, and you have this negative experience, and then you're always looking at the outside of all, like everyone you're connected to and you talk to and seeing their reaction. And then you you say, oh, I like their reaction or I don't like their reaction mm -hmm. because I want them to like me this way or whatever because of that, you know, yeah. past experience. <laughs> that exactly. We're all, looking for, we're all looking for approval <laughs> because of that fundamental fear. How do I stay in the tribe? And, you know, there's the the state, the different stages of brain development, and you mentioned the the you know up until seven years old and seven to fourteen. There are two major stages of the three major stages of brain development, and the first one is just like you know I need these people, typically your parents, to look after me because I'm vulnerable. I can't look after myself, so I need to to behave a certain way in order to get that attention. Then the second one you mentioned is how do I 
how do I stay part of this tribe? How do I fit in? And that's usually about middle school age where we're trying to figure that out. And so it's a super influential time period time in our lives because or time period in our lives because we are developing our behavior, which becomes our personality or our identities. I know. I think that time frame is huge on how you're going to act and develop and your career and you know, throughout relationships is kind of like that younger teenage time, you know, and I wish, I wish they kind of taught some of this in high school or that, you know, as a teenager, because I think it would help so many people realize because, you know, especially with now Instagram and everyone, I just went to this fair in Malibu and you see all these like high schoolers and everything. And it's, Mm. it's crazy. I'm like thinking with Instagram, it's all about, you know, your looks and it's all about showing off now. And I'm curious how this is going to develop in, you know, 10 years or these these, uh, children and how this is going to affect them, hopefully in a positive way. Um, But yeah, it's a lot these days to always be on top of it because now we just have cameras and videos and then it goes all over to the world. So there's like this whole pressure with looks. Right. I don't know, but uh, anyway. the consequences are so high, right? Because it goes everywhere. Like you said, it goes everywhere. It's not just like the few people that, you know, in my school that saw me now, now it's broadcast to the world. I know it, it's, it's just times have changed so much where it's like, you know, my, I, I think like, you know, in my mom, there's barely any pictures, you know, there, I mean, that was kind of rare. Cameras were rare. And now mm-hmm. it's like, always like, how do I look? How do I, how am I acting? Because it's going to be right. shown everywhere. So there's just, totally. there's that huge pressure on, on people, uh, now with kind of being broadcasted all over. So, um, something we all have to like get over that fear of what people think about us and our looks and everything, which isn't easy. <laughs> no, but it's, it goes back to that, you know, that voice in your head that's that's always assessing and the amygdala it's amygdala driven so the amygdala is looking for danger but it's looking through the filter of these these traits that we developed these um these beliefs we have and so i think the way out of it is to understand how we're structured you know because once you understand it it sort of deactivates it so my loop so that limiting belief of me so whatever it is it, it can be like I'm, I'm, I'm stupid, I'm ugly, I'm weak, I'm whatever. To know that that's just a loop, and once you see it for what it is, it takes its power away. So I know that, you know, my belief, my limit, so let's say it's I'm ugly, right? Every time I look in the mirror, I know that that's going to go off, you know? So once, once you really realize it, it becomes sort of like a joke. Oh, there, there it goes again, you know? And mm. I know that that influenced my emotions, so then it made me feel bad. But... Once I identified it, it takes its power away, and then I start to behave differently. So I start to not focus on that voice in my head anymore, which makes it quieter. And for me, that's been my practice for a long time, is trying to make that voice quieter and quieter so it doesn't bother me so much. It's not got a grip over my, my life, my, my emotions, my feelings. And you can really develop a strong practice, which is why I went down the route of mindfulness. You know, how, how do I develop a strength against all these negative influence that I'm putting on myself. So what would be a daily practice? You think just being aware and just saying, Hey, this is what has happened in my past. This is my emotion from that. This is my fear. This is all in my head. Is there like specific things that I can do? Um, 
that you would recommend someone to get over this? Yeah, and I mean, I, I understand it's like, it's a little bit, it sounds a little bit strange what we're talking about. But if you look at some societies, they've dedicated um, their societies to this. So, you know, um, Buddhism is one where they, they're trying to find the authentic self, right? Or there is no self, there is no identity and the psychology also believes that too that you don't your personality doesn't exist anywhere it comes into existence in reaction to something else so if you're not thinking this part of you this identity doesn't exist technically right so developing a practice which meditation is a great one there's different ways to meditate you know one aspect of meditation is learning how to focus how to focus the mind so it's not just running wild you know the other another aspect is staying in a present state while you're hearing that um, that voice in the head, and so if you can take on these practices, you know, and get good at it, but it doesn't just end there. A lot of people they do do their twenty minutes or their forty minutes of meditation, they check the box and then go on throughout the day. What I believe is you do the meditation to get in that state of mind, and you stay in that throughout the day. So I can I can get into a meditative state mm. and get to a place where I'm observing. The, my thoughts, so that voice in the head, right? I, I'm observing that thoughts, which means I'm not those thoughts, right? Because I'm the thing that's observing those thoughts. So then I can remain yeah. in that state <laughs> throughout my day, right? And that's my practice is to stay in that state, aware that the voice is going to get activated, get triggered at some point, and not allow that to pull me into that emotional turmoil so I can stay out of it, stay in a state of awareness of it. Do you do this uh, practice daily? Mm -hmm. Is this part of your 30-minute routine? Yes, exactly, exactly. And so mm. and with, with the program, I teach, um, I think it's uh, seven different um, meditation techniques. So, so there are all these tools that I teach, then you can apply which ones work best for you. So I, take, I teach you over the course, and then you have these, these tools to pull you out of you know, what usually gets us into a slump. Because if you think about it too, you know, if I'm bombarding myself with these negative thoughts and it's flooding with me with negative feelings, now I'm trying to get out of those negative feelings. So I need another behavior that gives me pleasure. So often it's overeating, right? So if I want to lose weight, I can force a nutritional program on top of my behaviors and it might last for a while. But if I don't deal with the root cause or understand the mechanism of it, I'm always going to be struggling, right? Because mm -hmm. I got to remove what's causing the negative feeling in the first place and not just the behavior that's trying to survive from that feeling. Yeah, that's, I, it goes hand in hand. I just, and I also just went to someone who actually I met at the gym, Jen, and she's a healer. Um, but she does business coaching as well because she thinks, you know, part of the, you know, the healing, the therapy, but also the business side that you have to have those hand in hand because I, if I want to start, you know, a business, I have to also see what's holding me back. Like there's mm -hmm. business coaching and like, there's like here, you need to have a step-by-step -step protocol to get to this in your business. But also you have to look at like, you know, your mental emotional state of why maybe you are not getting to that point, like what is holding you back. So like yeah. having these two hand in hand is always so important. So like even with the food and the losing weight, yeah, you also have to look at the emotional state as well. Totally. Um, yeah. 
yeah, we're emotional animals. We're, we're part of the hominid classification, right, of animals. And yeah. that experience is an emotional one. So we're, we're not going to get away from that. So we have to learn the mechanism of it. And so it doesn't dictate our lives anymore. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love this. So, okay, so let's um, talk about these tribes. You, how many have you been to? Oof. <laughs> many of and them and what's um, the typical size is are they like you know 20 100 100 100 250 a lot of them okay okay um, but I, I the ones i work with mostly are in central south america um, i'm going to gabon next year um, to work with some indigenous cultures there um, but if you think about it there's you know there's not many places where there are indigenous cultures left because this mm -hmm. ideology from the modern progressive society that came from Europe, you know, that kind of wiped out a lot of the cultures here, the indigenous cultures in the Americas, it did it first in Europe. So it's, so it's even harder to find the indigenous cultures of Europe. There are some sort of piecing it back together, trying to find, you know, semblances of it and start getting back together. But it's hard to find, you know, ones that are still intact. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they're, they're rare. They, so what is their typical day? Do they just uh, hunt, um, get, get food together, do ceremonies, mm -hmm. I guess, um, sing? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's I like want to hear like, all about these tribes. And, yeah. And how long do, do they, have they done any studies too with their longevity? I'm curious. Uh, oh, there's so many questions. Like, do they even, do they take any medication? How do they filter their water? I'm so curious about this. <laughs> yeah, there's there's, there's lots of studies out there, and looking at uh, one significant one was on heart health, and mm. they were significantly healthier hearts on average than than we had in the m most modern societies. Um, and, and do most eat meat? Most eat meat, right? Most eat meat. Yeah. Okay. Is that most of their diet for the most part or is it? It depends food? where they are. Like the ones in the Amazon, it's very hard to grow food. And so they, mm. uh, they eat a lot of meat. But there's, uh, there's other ones that, you know, are more in mountainous regions that they eat a lot of plants as well. Um, mm. So it just depends which tribe and, uh, you know, where, where they're located, what the, what the climate and vegetation is like. Do they eat the whole animal, all the organs and everything typically? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I've been eating liver for most days, even though yeah, it's actually good. hard to find that right now. Sure. I'm like, I'm trying to find them at Whole Foods and everyone's on this liver trend. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, the organ meat is, we're understanding now the, 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 the benefits of it. But yeah, they lose even the, the, the skin and, and fur of the animal. They, they use everything typically. Wow. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. um okay so they eat meat they have good heart health and then do they have i mean what's their lifespan typically um i don't know exactly but um you know the ones i've met you know they've been in the you know i've met pages or shaman that are in their 90s and still mm. super strong they're still walking through the jungle you know no problem you know yeah but, but I, I don't sure know exactly they're very active and yeah. I know. I'm just, you know, they probably have healthier. What did they do with their water too? With the, do they have, they just 
where it was naturally filtered and, until we influenced it. They didn't need to do anything with their water. Um, now they need treatment and that's a lot of the projects that I work on are uh, trying to get um, you know clean water for them again. Um, but oh, okay. but in, originally they, they didn't need to do anything with the water. And like there's some in Colombia that I work with, Arawaku, they don't need to do anything with their water because their water's clean still. Okay. And then what do they do for shelter? What is their shelter typically? Usually they, they build huts. Um, okay. So From like bamboo or something? Um, the ones I go with, they... they, they <laughs> I've never been, so don't they, they they like questions. <laughs> you know, and now a lot of them, they do have access to like tools and stuff. So they kind of, it's, mm. it's adapted a little bit to how they were originally. But there's some that I've been with that, that just line up uh, wood and then cover it with, um, with bushes and, and moss and stuff. Um, and then they usually have one big central room, which a uh, maloca, which they call that in, uh, in, in Brazil in the, with the Huniquin. And so they have this big meeting mm. room where they do a lot of their ceremonies and gatherings in that. Mm. So when you go, do you not bring your iPhone or anything <laughs> or your phone? <laughs> well, usually I have it with me, but it doesn't work. <laughs> usually I'm so remote that it doesn't function. So they've, they've seen the iPhone. They've seen like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a lot stuff. of them, they have, you know, they do have contact, you know, with the, the Western world. So there might be one person in the village that has an iPhone, you know, but it's not oh. common like, like, like ours is. And do they have any like medical, like would they ever go to maybe a hospital just in case? Has there been any type of like. Yeah. Now, like, you know, like in um, certain places, there's been industries have sort of come right up, up until to their territory. So there's things that are influencing like um, in Colombia and sorry, in Ecuador, there's like Texaco is like right on their doorstep. And so that's causing them, um, affecting their health. So there's some things now that they, that they do have to go to the, get modern medicine for, but I think it's something like 75% of our medicine we use comes from the Amazon. So they have the, the, the direct source, you know, to these medicines, you know, we, we have to get it from them. Then we synthesize it and create a pill and then we take it, but they have the plants that it comes from. Yeah, I'm, I even read, you've heard of rapamycin. Mm -hmm. You heard of rapamycin? And so they, I think that came from uh, a volcano from an, on some island that they discovered. So it's like, that's how they, it was discovered. But so with these um, I, like medications that they have, what are the what are your favorite herbs, or what have you discovered for maybe the best ones for our health? Well, what's <laughs> what was really interesting to me that a lot of these cultures, their most sacred plant is tobacco, and oh. for us the way we and use nicotine it, is yeah, they 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 use it for cleansing. And they use it for protection. So they use the smoke for, for like cleansing protection. But they do it in like snuff. So they, they take the ash of it and, and grind up these herbs. And they like blow it up your nose. as jape uh, or Spanish mm -hmm. is jape. But um, also I've, they, they make it into a paste and you can rub it on your gums for like energy. I've done mm -hmm. liquid tobacco up my nose. They, get, they use it to purge. So 
they're more about getting the sickness out of you as opposed to maintaining symptoms, which in our our um, medical system, a lot of it is, you know, it's to, to, to make us healthy as well, but um, to maintain the symptoms. So what we're feeling to get rid of that, where they don't focus so much on that. They focus on, hey, there's something that's in you that we got to get out. There's one uh, medicine um, called Cambo, which is actually the poison from a frog, and they burn it onto your skin oh, yeah. and it makes you purge. But what happens in the brain, as peptides release, the brain thinks you're actually, there's, there's something serious along, like, like you're dying. So it goes through each organ and flushes the organ. So after 20, 40 minutes of vomiting, you feel completely cleansed. So there's, it's pretty harsh compared to what we do, but it goes directly to the cleansing of parts of the body that need to, to get cleansed in order to heal. I, I just met someone who was a few weeks ago and we had this discussion because he does a lot of, um, uh, he goes down South and he used to do, I think like ayahuasca and stuff. But he told me about the frog little, like, it's like, I, and yeah, I think he actually mentioned peptides or something. He called them the peptides of them, but he said, since he's done it, he has not been sick. Yeah. Which I, and I was curious, though, that you kind of explained it, how it works. Like, it goes through all your organs and then kind of flushes them out. Because I was like, wow, poison on your skin. And then yeah. now you haven't been sick since. Yeah. <laughs> but he says it, it was, like, amazing for his immune system. Yeah. That's it's, weird. It's, how yeah. did they discover this? <laughs> well, yeah, it's amazing. Like, it's hard. Like, they... They have a very deep connection with nature, with plants. And if you ask them a lot of their s stories, that they, they say is that it was divinated. It was told to them either by a higher power or by the plants themselves. You know, they, they, mm. they say that they communicate with nature directly. And that tells them well, what they need to do. They're so in touch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, oh. yeah. It's like so another. Are you there for? Sorry. Oh. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, are you there for? Like, how long are you there for? You know, I go different lengths. You know, two weeks, four weeks. Um, not usually longer than that because it's it, it is tough living for someone who's not grown up there. So um, <laughs> I'll go. Sometimes I'll go like in for you know three four weeks and maybe come out and then go in again. Um, okay. But it's hard. But it's. I, I don't also have the immunity they have. So things can make me sick mm -hmm. that don't make them sick as well. So I, I got to And have you been that. sick on quite a few of these? And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got, <laughs> I got Shingala on one of them and oh, it was a rough journey what home. What is that? It's, uh, oh, it's an Shingala. infection, intestinal infection. Um, uh, and, and you know right away? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, it's probably like three days before I'm like, oh, I got to get out of here. And I had to get back to the US. So I had to go through Colombia. I was in Brazil. I had to get, you know, out where I was. It's a five day boat ride. And so I did this crazy adventure getting back. And I think I went from 180 pounds to 150 pounds when I was back. And like my doctor put me on like IV for like three days um, just to kind of start recovering from it it was pretty intense from eating something you think it was like it was in water the i think it was in the water <laughs> yeah no that oh, time i didn't yeah. even bring it with. <laughs> yeah i think it was in i think it was waterborne i know it's 
It's crazy how you can build like the right bacteria for yeah. that living situation. And then when you, when someone comes into that, they don't have that bacteria and it just totally. like yeah. make you lose yeah. 30 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you recovered. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So let's get in a little bit. I love what you said at the can about the psychedelics and, and I know you've done, I'm sure you've done like the ayahuasca and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Can you explain a little, I'm, a lot of people probably don't know this whole ayahuasca. I do because I follow a lot of people that have gone and are in that space. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on psychedelics and because I do know, you know, these things are toxins. And so, and I also follow, uh, I think, Dr. Amen. He has like the most brain studies in the world. And he's kind of, a, of, you know, these toxins do affect our brain in a negative way, kind of can like shrink or put holes or whatever in the brain. So I'm curious, these, you know, they're saying, oh, some people just keep doing them as well, just to like, they're maybe addicting, they're like addicted to this. And then it's also, you have tribes where it's like a beautiful ceremony and it's supposed to be a beautiful connection and for you to release, you know, that type of negative thinking. Um, I'm, I'm curious your whole thoughts about all these psychedelics, ayahuasca, the frog situation, puking, um, what it does to your body and also the cultures and how often they do these ceremonies as well, because it, it is a, I feel like it is a big impact on the body. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, there's um, a lot there. <laughs> yeah. I I come from the ideology that drugs were bad. That's how I was taught, right? And and especially being an athlete, then you don't want to get, you know, you don't want anything to influence you. You want to be as healthy and pure as possible. And so that was my attitude for a very long time. And it was with some of these um, cultures that I had my first experience, which was with ayahuasca, which is the, the they, they, they boil a leaf and a vine for 72 hours and make this tea that you drink. And I had the most profound experience when I first tried it that shifted my life completely. And that mm-hmm. opened me up to it, you know, and then I, I studied it more and more. Um, and now I'm getting my PhD in, in the study of it. And I think they can be very, very beneficial, but I don't think they're for everybody. And I think there are some people that shouldn't take it. And I think you should take it therapeutically to fix what you need to fix, to deal with what you need to deal with. And then you don't need it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it shouldn't become a crutch in your life. You know, there's, you know, that people use it for, for, for partying or to celebrate, which is, is, I think it's okay sometimes, but you also want to be able to have a, an amazing experience just with your own mind and your own emotions and your own feelings. Like, I think they should be used to heal something, not, not as a crutch, not, not as a dependency on them. So I think, I think you've got to be really careful about that. And I think you've got to be careful um, who's, who you're going to, to get that experience because that matters so much. It matters if the person understands fully. You know, I think there's a huge risk with this sort of renaissance in psychedelics coming where people who are underqualified, you know, leading groups or leading individuals where they maybe have done a few themselves and got inspired and now feel they should be serving, but they, they don't fully understand it. 
And these, some of these pages, these shaman, it's a lifetime of study. It's 30, 40 years before they start serving the medicine. And wow. they know what they're doing on so many levels, on the physical level, emotional level, um, and on the spiritual level, you know, in the mystical realms, there's stuff happening that, you know, you gotta, you gotta understand. Yeah. I, uh, I was just gonna say, um, I think people can really like, it definitely matters who you're going to. And I think these things can be so important instead of being on like medication for the rest of your life, being numb or something. Cause it's just, I, I'm so grateful. I've never been on like anxiety medication or depression medication, but I've heard is like, you're basically numb and, and they're also very addicting. So if you have these things that can just really help you get out of that space and then, you know, be a better person or help happier, you know, these things can be very beneficial. And so, but that, yeah, I think, you know, some people might go for the wrong reason. And then I've also heard like, you're supposed to be called kind of to this ayahuasca, like when it's your time or when you're called and, and you believe in that, I, I guess, correct? Kind of like, yeah, I do. I think, you know, specifically with, they call that medicine, the grandmother, it's a big medicine, you know? And I actually, when I work with um, people from, from more of these modern Western societies, I don't know if that's the best place for them to start. You know, for sure, if they have a calling to it, they feel strongly about it. Um, I think, you know, it can be great if, they, if they're going to the right person, doing for the right reason. But there are other ones that might work better for them initially, you know, that they can look into that maybe match um, their, their, their qualities a little bit better or, or at least the, the cosmology that they're more used to. And I think that's also a factor as well. I think it's it's maybe a little bit much sometimes to go right away into the jungle and do such a big medicine. Um, not that not that it, some people don't have amazing experience and can help them tremendously, but I don't think it's the only way to go. Are these common in most of the tribes you see? Yeah, they always have like an ayahuasca kind of ceremony. Yeah, so it's most pretty typical. I think there's most all cultures on, in the world have a psychedelic. I think the only place that mm. doesn't is Siberia. Oh, wow. So it's, 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 it's part being of, part of our societies more than, more than we sort of remember. Realize. Yeah. yeah. I think, well, and then you have dr like put this on the drug kind of like, this is, you, I mean, most of the drugs are chemicals, <laughs> so mm. they're not from a plant. And right. then like, even if you think of, yeah, just most drugs, it's like, it's completely toxic. There's nothing, you know, ceremony about it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And we're totally comfortable taking those. No. I know. It, but, and then I'm like, okay, but then you need your green smoothie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I see this a lot in LA. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of them. <laughs> you need a lot of cleansing. <laughs> you need you need twenty of those green smoothies. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just you know that and now with uh, mushrooms and everything, people I see that a lot as well. So and that's helping a lot of people. Um, but I was just curious with you know, and I think there's a lot of studies now that are happening with. Um, yeah, the psychedelic space and what it can do for people's mental mm -hmm. state instead of like just a prescription. 
So I think we're on, like, I even think, I don't know, it's California. I think recently something came out that they might legalize it in California. Yeah, I know it's legalized in Oakland. So I think it now has to go up. So they, they, they're, there's potential of it by 2025 being decriminalized. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this is just, so, okay. So we got to the tribes. We got to um, your intro and traveling. Um, let's talk about, I just really want to quickly ask what your typical day is. Do you take supplements? Do you uh, work out? What's your typical workout routine? Do you stay hydrated? Do you fast? Um, do you sleep eight hours? Do you have the aura ring? What are you doing? What's your <laughs> biological age? <laughs> do you do uh, any crazy biohacks? You know, uh, no, I, 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 the, the, what I do at one point might've been considered crazy, but I don't think it is considered, it's more the norm, especially around LA now. And what I try and do is, you know, support my systems, the systems within my body as much as possible. Um, as opposed to doing a lot to them, I'm trying to support them. So my morning, I get up early. So I get up about 4.30 uh, most days. Mm. And then I do um, uh, meditation and I do breath work and I do other practices that I need to some some mobility or flexibility work. I go for a, a silent meditation, a walk. I do. I ground myself, so I barefoot. Like all my neighbors think I'm crazy. I walk around Santa Monica in bare feet, and, uh, <laughs> and then sun gaze, which is probably a critical one. So eyes closed, just letting the sunlight. Once the sun comes up, letting it sort of penetrate my eyelids with my eyes closed, because that starts a circadian rhythm, and that's a huge factor for our well-being. Because if you don't activate it right, then it doesn't help at the at the tail end when you're supposed to be releasing the sleep hormones that they're not active if you didn't activate it well in in, in the morning. And so then, you know, I have a, a an evening routine that, you know, you know, trying to get rid of blue blue light, not overstimulating myself. And I do other specific breath works and mindfulness practices in the evening in order to get myself prepared for sleep. Because good sleep doesn't just happen. You have to actually do things. You have to prepare for it and, and take some steps in order to, to get good quality sleep. And then I work out most days. I, I cycle a lot now. So I'm getting my um, endurance and interval training because I cycle up hills. And then I do some strength work. I do I, – uh, before – when my company before I had a physical location. So it had, I had a gym there and I don't have that anymore. So I do a lot of calisthenics, a lot of body weight stuff now. Um, but I think just the way you live your life can actually produce health. So I, there's something called ground living, which is just getting rid of furniture and just being on the floor. So even though I have a, a couch in my, in my house, I have these floor mats. And so I spend most of my time on the floor. And so I'm getting into these, these different positions, getting more flexible and getting stronger just by doing what I'm doing in, throughout my day. So I try and do that a lot. And other things I do is hydration. Like I drink a big, big bottle of water every day. This nice. <laughs> gallon. Um, but I also put like first thing in the morning, I put um, some Celtic salt on my tongue because a magnesium can mm. absorb right away. And once that's absorbed, it can pull the, the, the hydration into your cells. Um, and I put lemon in water in order to alkalize the blood. So there's lots of little things I do um, before I do any of these other ones. And then, you know, um, uh, hot and cold therapy. So I do cold showers. I get an ice tub if I can. So I do those things mm -hmm. that are really just um, 
challenging in order to stimulate, in order to strengthen these systems in my body. So there's something called homeostasis. That's that's this um, set point the body's always trying to get to. It's where the core temperature is exactly right, the mineral balance is exactly right. So it has this place where it's trying to get to. So if you challenge the homeostasis, which is the capacity of it, so homeostatic capacity, and you challenge it, taking it away from homeostasis, and the body gets good at and efficient at returning to homeostasis, it makes you more robust. So that's actually when you, when when mm. these longevity institutes that I work with what they focused on was homeostatic capacity, how far you can take yourself from homeostasis and regain it. So that's challenging these systems. So you challenge it with hot, cold, with altitude, with depth, with, with, with um, uh, cardiorespiratory challenges, um, breath work, uh, you know, um, hyperoxygenating. So all these ways just to challenge mm-hmm. systems. So, and they react by becoming stronger. So there's so much you can do just – by 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 adapting your lifestyle, challenging your body, yeah, challenging your body, yeah. Huh. I need to do that more, a more typical routine. <laughs> yeah, but even with workouts, I mean, you know, you have to challenge your muscles and everything. It's, it's the so same it's principle. Like that's how. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So we have to challenge ourselves. We have to challenge, challenge all our the bacteria. Systems. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which is why I drink all that bad water, <laughs> trying to challenge my bacteria. Now sometimes it went well. Now sometimes you have a very didn't. strong immune system. <laughs> <laughs> let's go test it out <laughs> yeah right <laughs> anyways um okay so i guess i didn't even realize it's like an hour 15 in um but this is a great conversation is there anything else you want to say um about your company about your lifestyle and then i like to end it always like with like you know um, since I'm biohacker blondie, like three biohacks that you, that you would recommend for people. Um, but yeah, I'll just leave it to you. If there's anything else you want to add in. Yeah. I'm not sure when this is going out, but we're starting a cohort, our last one of the year for my 90 day program. Um, and at aho.com, oh, okay. uh, sorry, aho.life. You can go to and find oh, out about that. Aho. Okay. A-H-O. I, was thinking, I was thinking aho. Yeah. I don't know. Why. Okay. So aho life. And when aho. does that start? Life. Um, it starts on Monday. Oh, this Monday? This Monday. But it's wow. that it repeats for a week. So, um, you know, people can join after the first two, up to the first two oh, weeks where we allow people to come in and join. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, congrats on that. That's amazing. I'm sure you just love that because then you get yeah. to see so many people evolve and, and totally. uh, get to a better, healthier lifestyle. Yeah, yeah the results are really, <laughs> what we've been getting have really been incredible. So it's super exciting for me to run, to be running these. Yeah. And is it from people all over the world since it's mm-hmm. remote? Yep. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, that's I mean that's the great thing about technology. Like you can say, oh, there's EMFs and everything, but also it's like now we have this other type of connection that we've never had yeah, before. Totally. Exactly. No, it, it does really it does create cool. us create a global community. This you know, certain technology does that for us. And then you also when's your next retreat? Um it's going to be next spring. So we, we, I just did the last one for this year. I, I might add one more. People have been asking me to add one more in LA. So there's a chance I'll do that. But if not, there's going to be England, Portugal, and France next year, next spring. And then we'll come back to the US later that year. Okay. Okay. And how long are the retreats for? They're four days. 
four days. Okay, so those would be so each individual, the like each country. Yeah, and that's a different. So that's at my other company, which is RiseHigher.World, and so you can go there and uh, and we'll post the schedule once we finalize it. We'll post it there. Okay, cool. I'm I'm very excited to look into this. Um, I did not know all about this. The retreats probably are amazing. Yeah, you should you should come. You should come on one. I know. <laughs> um, okay, so I mean, so now we'll get to the three biohacks. What do you recommend? The top three that you would recommend? Okay. Um, shock. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cover a lot of in what? So shock. So like cold exposure, um, doing something out of your comfort zone. Like you know, mm. really, my favorite one of that is like. Um, um, doing a random act of kindness. So you go and do something because, because a lot of us, we're f- afraid of doing these things. So that, that really stimulates and, and releases something called oxytocin. And so that's very positive. So, um, and fasting is another shock. So I mm. think shock in general is, is really important. And then, um, I think mindfulness. So learning, um, how to stay in a state of awareness so you're not being pulled into the negativity of your mind so i think i would say that's probably the the second one i'm probably the most important um is that mindfulness and then i would say for my third one um as i mentioned the fundamental fear of all humans is being kicked out of the tribe so having really good human interactions you know mm. You know, meeting new people, like people you know, relationships, exactly. And that just physical touch, like when you hug someone or hold hands, it, it influences our health so much. And, and I don't think we think about that enough. There's something called blue zones around the world where people, you know, mm-hmm. part of the, 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 the civilization is living to their centennial years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have a lot of physical touch. So I think mm-hmm. I, I would say those three. So shock, mindfulness, and 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 relationships. Those are good. <laughs> They're different too, you know. Yeah, I mean, I want to do something a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> the shock, that's a good one. I think getting out of your typical, you know, daily routine or something, talking your body, physical, mentally. Um, that's a great one. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. keep those three in my head too. Keep them in your head. <laughs> Yeah, and what uh, in the in the program I put all things like that in. It's like okay, go and do a random act of kindness. So we do these things that get you out of your norm, or you know, you know, suggesting things, creative things like play an instrument or paint or something, because we we miss this whole this whole range of um, uh, abilities and things that influence us in our day to day lives. So I try and include all of that in the program as well. That is so awesome. I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, well, thank you so much, Paul, for taking the time out of your day. Such a pleasure. You're super busy. Um, this was a great conversation. I'm inspired. Um, this has been a learning lesson for me, and I'm hoping this will be a learning lesson and help so many people um, have a different mindset than, you know, our typical. So. Thank I you love it. Again. Yeah, thanks so much for and having me. I really appreciate that. And it, was, it was great fun chatting with you. Yes, you too. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. Paul has been so kindly to give 10% off his AHO Limitless 90-day program for all of the listeners. The link will be in the show notes below. And it starts on September 18th, but you can join anytime in the first week. So click the link in the show notes and you can join his wonderful program to change your mind, change your body and be your best potential.